Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I have had sex with a guy who, like, he came and he, I didn't even know he came because he was so dead silent. Were you silent or so, were you silent? silent. <laughs> There's been so much happening recently and I've been consuming so much media that I feel like we should slow the brakes today a little bit and just talk about what we've been watching reading listening to you know really get into like a little a little key um i'm with you virgin lots on the agenda what we're we're vibing Mm -hmm, with yeah mm -hmm. and you know of course you know next time we'll we'll do another deep dive into a more nostalgic cultural object but today we're you know talking about what's going on at the moment because this is like a virgin the show where we give yesterday's pop culture and i do mean the pop culture from literally yesterday um (laughs) today's takes i'm rose damu and i'm fran Torado. how are you doing what'd you do this weekend um well the weekend was great i just like kind of spent the the weekend indoors i had people over for brunch we watched ever after i had people oh i watched ever after recently too did you have fun it was it was great, Angelica Huston. It's hot. Oh, Houston. I thought I thought that she was one of those girls that like she's like no, it's Huston. No, it's um, Houston. Okay, thank you. Um, Should she, we do an ever after episode? 
I don't. Or maybe think a Drew ba- a Drew Barrymore episode. I honestly think it's a Drew. It's a Drew episode okay. for sure. Because Ever After okay. is amazing, but to me, it would have to be a larger discussion about like Cinderella adaptations Wait, or something. You know what would be good though is a Fairy Dale adaptation episode. Yes, because or even, I think there's a lot. Because then we could do like Into the Woods. We could do like. I don't know. I I think that opens up a lot of things. Actually, even just Cinderella adaptations gives us, like, Brandy, gives us the Cate Blanchett Cinderella, gives us... Okay, well, we're going to workshop this. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. But anyways, Ever After was great. Angelica Houston was... I mean, she was the whole movie. She, I, I, I forgot. I had. How could anyone really. love a pebble in their shoe? <laughs> or when she was like, "Do not contribute to the silence unless you can improve it." I was like, "Damn, Melanie Linsky, amazing actress." I, I think Tour I just. I really forgot how clever the whole movie is. How good the dialogue is. Um, how Drew really wears some ugly ugly dresses in that movie but also some gorgeous dresses my favorite look of hers is is my favorite look of hers is when she goes to meet him in like the abandoned castle and she's wearing like a a, like a red velvet number i hate that i i I good i did not like all of her dresses except for the last one well we'll agree to disagree yeah i was i I was isolated Uh, people disagreed with me that i people that i was viewing with also disagreed with me but i was just so maybe that means you have bad taste you know, I actually have great taste, as I've said on the podcast you before. Do. You I've do always great had great taste, you do have great taste. Um, with some with some exceptions. Uh, but I was going to tell you just a few. So, Rose, what have you been like listening to, consuming this weekend? Like, have you just were you? I saw you were in Malibu? Question mark. Yes, um, I went to the beach yesterday. We went to Zuma Beach in Malibu. You know, I'm like not really a beach girl. I'm a pool girl. Like you know, being from Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was the perfect beach day. We drove up there in the morning. We're there for a couple hours and then like left by 3 p.m., which is, you know, perfect for me. I cannot, I cannot go to the beach with people who want to be there literally all day. Yeah, I know. But you are a, you are a Caucasian and you do need allies in that, in that situation. Yes, But you know, we had, um, we had a, an umbrella, so I was able to be in the shade. Um, an umbrella, some, Ella. An umbrella, Ella, Ella, A, A. But I did get some sun. <laughs> do you have more freckles now? I do have a lot more freckles, but I Cute. also did use some of my weekend to catch up on some, you know, cultural things. The big thing is FY Island ended. Yes. And the twists were twisting. The twists were twisting. Um, so, spoilers for anyone watching, but FY Island ended and. The f- the final twist was that Nikki Glaser revealed to the girls that instead of just either choosing a nice guy and getting to split the money with him or choosing an F-boy and the F-boy having the ability to either split the money or take all of it, there was a third option where the women could choose themselves and keep mm-hmm. all the money, which I was gagged. I was screaming. Same. I was hooting and hollering, and I, I really good twist. I was hoping that they were all going to do it. That's the thing, though, is like, I mean, obviously, it's reality TV that's been produced to the degree. Like, this girl is scripted during some parts, but like, I, I just don't understand anybody that would not choose a hundred thousand dollars. Like, even after taxes, that's so much money. Like, come yeah. on. Uh, 
Um, and fifty thousand dollars after taxes is considerably less money. Yeah, and zero dollars is no money. Is no money. Um. So my, I've already sent you a voice memo with all of my takes, but like I, I think it's infuriating that Miss Mercedes did not take the hundred thousand dollars in dash. That would have been way more satisfying. It would have been up to yeah. our predictions. He is such a piece of shit, and they are clearly not even going to last very long. So, like, why bother? Not with even this? a week. It's a charade. Like, Mercedes is putting on a charade of being a nice guy, and I hate him. I, th- I feel like he realized how bad he looked. Yeah. O- over over the course of the show and wanted to try to rehabilitate his image at the end. That's the worst part. If you are on a reality TV show, do not, <laughs> do not self analyze, do not self perceive. Like it just no. makes the whole thing worse. Like don't no, do it. No self awareness. You should be a black mirror upon which <laughs> we gaze. <laughs> oh, um, you know, I wished Louise was my favorite character from beginning to end. And I was kind of thinking she was going to turn out to be the F girl who took the money, but spoiler alert, it was Tamaris was the only one who picked herself and revealed herself to be an F girl. And I honestly, the clues were there all season as they kind of showed. She had said many times that she'd cheated before, she'd lied before, Mm -hmm. she was a player. That she she dumps guys with no emotion. Like, yeah. So I was like, you know, good for her. And I kind of, I loved actually the moment where they showed. The guy crying, and then as soon as he left, she was like, can I get makeup in here? Uh, That was so fucking funny, because it was like the immediate switch um, from the, I I mean, Tommy Boy, poor Tommy Boy. Um, The, like, farty trombone sounds that they put underneath him. Tommy (laughs) Boy will be fine. Um, But um, another another incredible season of reality television. Truly. Are you a Louise, a Tamaris, or a Mia? Are we both Tamarises? I'm definitely a Tamaris. I think you're more of a... A Louise. Am I more of a Louise? You're a Louise. The thing is, I will say, at the, I I really do cut and run. Like, I I am. You're an F girl. I'm not saying you're not an F girl, but 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 you also are legitimately. Louise. You are looking for love. Yeah. Also on HBO Max, Harley Quinn came back. You know, Fran and I have talked before about how Harley Quinn was one of our favorite shows of last year. Mm -hmm. It's back in its third season. A really Um, good pandemic find. Yeah, um, we have both only watched the first episode. I think um, we talked about how we're both kind of saving it for like a Saturday morning cartoon scenario. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I just haven't gotten around to watching more of it. But in the the first episode is great. It was Harley and Poison Ivy are together now. They're on like they're going on like an international honeymoon fuck fest. It's beautiful. It's the show remains so funny. I laugh out loud all the time. I it's starting it's so with, gay, and it's starting with the kind of more emotional, honest, the, the emotionally honest kind of plot points of like what's not going right in their relationship, the little clues about where their disconnects are, where their miscommunications are. Which like I kind of wish it would start with like the fun stuff, but like you know the show is very layered, and I really I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I can't wait. I have to. Go in a little rant about another HBO show that is not good. Please. Um, do you watch Westworld? Have you ever watched Westworld? No, I probably, you know, as I always say, the next time I have the flu, I will definitely watch the first no, season. Please. But I just the first okay, season. Yes. I would watch never the, watch, watch more the, than the first. Watch only the first season because the first season of Westworld was great. Was amazing yeah. even. Yeah, I've heard. The second season of Westworld was 
had moments of brilliance and was otherwise like meh. The yeah. third season of Westworld was rotted, should have never happened. The fourth season, which is airing now, lured me back in somehow, making me think it would be good again. People were talking about it. And just every week has gotten worse and worse. Oof. And I feel like I'm losing my mind. It <laughs> and is you're basically it's basically just like the Matrix now. And the the thing that I wanted to bring up is like, obviously, I don't want to talk about like the particulars of the show. Like it's Mm. very, it's all very heady and stupid. And like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I, it's It's convoluted, right? Like a lot of like plot lines. Yes. It is exactly as dumb as it thinks it's smart, which is infuriating. But one of the things I've noticed is that, especially this season, there is so much suicide depicted on the show like the robots are constantly killing themselves Mm. um you know death doesn't death doesn't mean the same thing on the show because people are robots they can be brought back but also the human characters are killing themselves and it's at a point where it has become almost like fetishistic the way that people are constantly killing themselves and it's just something about it to me and i'm not usually like the morality police with with media like i'm like go off i want to see fucked up shit happen but it's just it's just really weird and it actually is making me uncomfortable oh what you yeah me how Um, because it's just so indulgent like it doesn't really it's like for the sake of it there's no reaction to the violence yeah, there. It, it really feels like the it the there could have been a a better storytelling choice to get kind of the same point across. That's such a bummer. I mean, I, I honestly getting sucked into a show is the worst. And I I really appreciate when people are like, just watch the first season because that's the only thing I would do with Westworld. Honestly, that's what I'm doing with Damages right now, which like I can't discuss, but like will for another podcast. Like, yeah, it's just like really just the one main season reason- is all you need. The main reason I'm still watching Westworld is like, a, I do still kind of want to know how it how it ends, and I'm mm. sure it'll get canceled after this season. There's Hopefully. no way with all the HBO stuff happening, like with the business things, that right. this show, which like literally four people are watching, will get renewed. But also another reason why I watch it is because um, Who Weekly do recaps <laughs> on their on their weekly Patreon episodes, and they're really funny. And so I literally watch the episodes just so I have the context to listen to that. Okay, that, but that makes um, it fun, at least. Yes, but fuck Westworld. Um, so I'm, I'm, I have a movie recommendation for you that please, I really please. think you should watch um, so we can discuss it a little bit more at length in the future. There's this new movie out called Not Okay. It's oh, on yeah, Hulu. It stars Zoe Deutsch, right. who's like just one of those girlies. One of the girls. Yeah, you know, she's. I think she's a nepotism baby. Mm. And it's about this... Like loser photo editor who works at sort of a like a a Vice magazine analog, and she really wants to be a writer. And like everyone in her office hates her in sort of a way that's almost like a caricature. Like they're all like, "You're a fucking loser," even though she's like hot and like is like almost like disgustingly on trend. Like she has those like streaks that every girl had last oh. year, and, like the chunky rings, and you know like. So she decides that to seem cool, she's going to fake going on a trip to Paris to a a writer's workshop. I saw this trailer. And while she's supposed to be in Paris, a terrorist attack happens there. So everyone in her life thinks that she was part of the attack. And all of a sudden, she starts getting attention for it. And she realizes that she can use her victimhood as a way to 
become an influencer. And in doing so, she meets this young high school girl who is a school shooting survivor and like becomes friends with her. And it obviously gets very messy and dramatic, but it's really funny. It's really smartly written. I think it has some very interesting things to say about influencer culture. I don't think it's a perfect movie by any means, but what I loved is that she, the protagonist, is a horrible person. Mm. And she is, it does, the movie does have some, maybe not sympathy, but empathy for her. Mm. And she does not, you know, get any sort of, like, redemption arc. Um, But it was a really good movie. Um, I think it's a a first-time filmmaker who wrote and directed it. Very excited to see what she does next. And I think you would really enjoy it. I'm honestly surprised that that you liked it because I feel like it's so hard, especially for consumers like us, to to make a good movie that is also a commentary on social media and or influencers. Like, that stuff gets really cringe really fast. Like, I did not really like Ingrid Goes West all that much. Like, I still have uh, never seen it. You, you know, the, it has a lot of really redeeming elements to it. Um, I think that, like... You know, uh, more often than not, the people writing about social media or writing about, you know, influencer culture, whatever that means, are either people that are do not participate in it, and so they're creating these weird caricatures that are, like, not funny, or they're too inside of it, and they think it's way more interesting than it actually is. And I think that, you know, this kind of stuff is, like, best when it's the punchline, right? And I think this is a really good segue to Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I don't know if you... You watch that, right? Yeah, I saw uh, an early screening of it in June. I finally saw it last week, and I felt like... what did you think? Well, you know, I felt like the commentary on just, like, us as, you know, Gen Z, millennial kind of, like, influencer types were, at times, the movie's strongest points and also some of the biggest joke flops. And, obviously, Rachel Sennett was the moment for that entire movie. She was kind of the movie for me. She was the movie. I actually don't think the movie would have worked without her. I totally agree. I thought every... I loved everything about the movie. I thought it was actually really thrilling. I thought the twist at the end was somehow I, I didn't I didn't even I mean like it felt all very obvious toward the end, but like at the same time I didn't predict it. Um, did not see it coming. Did not see it sure. coming. And um, uh, but the I think the reason I get to that is like despite the fact that Rachel I mean Rachel was the best I think the most fun to watch on screen, but all the other performances obviously great, but like Rachel's character specifically is like a kind of meta commentary on a very specific person you'll meet at a party or at a, on a group vacation. Like, I felt like I knew her. I felt like I knew a lot of the characters. Um, and I felt, felt like some of the kind of, you know, jokes that make fun of girls like her were very funny. And then some of them were too on the nose. I also watched, speaking of slashers, I, I finally watched that Z- They Slash Them movie. Have you, have you heard? How was it? <laughs> For the virgins, if you don't know, there's this Peacock original that, you know, the title is They Them, but it's supposed to be pronounced They Slash Them, or as Tomas Matos Stupid. said. It should who, just be They, they I, Them. I was at the, at, at the screening with Tomas Matos, and they pronounce it They Slash Them, and was, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is uh, much better. Um, here's the thing. Again, when movies really want to go in on, like, making commentary about something, sometimes they forget to be a good movie. 
And I think, you know, to compare something like Bodies, 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 which is extremely queer, to something like They Sash Them, which is also extremely queer, but, like, also very, very trans. Like, it's a much more trans story. Um, I think that, you know, They Slash Them suffered under the weight of the things it was trying to say about gender, discrimination, justice, um, but ultimately, you know, had some thrills, had some chills, was not really scary, unfortunately, but, um, good jokes, a really great, um, singing montage moment that I won't spoil. Do you think I should watch it? Would I like it? I think that if it happens to be something that you're watching with people, or if you have absolutely nothing to do, it is something that you would have a lot of thoughts on, actually. And Theo Germain, the lead, who's a friend of mine, is so hot. And his... Theo is really hot. So hot. And his scene partner is Kevin Bacon, pretty much, the whole movie. And... I heard that the movie was originally supposed to be more specifically about gay conversion therapy. Mm. And then they were like, no, 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 it's 2022. We gotta make it trans. So... Is the trans stuff done well? Like, is it interesting? Does it, like add to what the movie's trying to say and, like, the horror of it? It it adds and it also detracts. And this is... I'm really glad you asked that question because it's kind of crystallizing everything that we're talking about. Like, you telling me that, that, like, it, they made... They were decided to make it more trans is abundantly obvious to me. It is very clearly... I think the trans issues in the, in the movie are really wedged in. And there are moments of discrimination against trans people that are inconsistent. So Kevin Bacon is really transphobic to one trans character and then not transphobic to this other trans character. And the logic of that doesn't really make sense. And then also the experiences of gay and lesbian people on the at the camp and trans people at the camp are kind of conflated. And there's no nuance in discussing how those kinds of oppressions are different and yet it's trying to say something about it so like for me it's like either you need to clarify what you're trying to say or just like don't even go into it like we can just figure Mm -hmm. it out and you don't have to really give us this ham-fisted like commentary on trans identity spoiler alert at the end when we find out who the murderer is there's this moment where you're kind of like the murderer is kind of like on the side of the queer people and you're like oh this murderer is dope and like w- is like doing great things for people but then the cops come and arrest them and i was like this how could this be like a queer movie and yet the the climax is resolved with cops like that's i know that's like how all slashers end but like you could not like fabricate any sort of other cinematic invention that would give us a resolution that does not involve cops like it's just a failure of the imagination to me um for that to be the ending happy pride from tomboy x Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Another movie I kind of forayed into this weekend was Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Have you have you watched this or heard about it at all? I, I, I've heard the the premise of it, which is it's it's about like a an older woman who's never come mm-hmm. and hires a sex worker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's literally the the logline. And, and, it's, um, and it's like a COVID movie, so it's just like the two of them in a hotel room the whole time, right? Exactly. And and that is hard, you know, that's a very specific movie to watch. It's like one set. It's basically a play, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And, and that's fine. Um, Emma Thompson does incredible, incredible work. Like, she actually, in interviews, described that, like, the nudity scene that she does in it is the hardest thing she's ever had to do as an actress, which is saying something because Emma Thompson. Because has let's a- talk about let's <laughs> talk about her listening to Joni Mitchell in Love Actually. <laughs> oh my god, the performance of a life. Um, but it was re- what was really fascinating is I'd been really excited about this movie. I'd heard a lot of things, a lot of really good things about it, and the movie did not really deliver to me on a lot of what it was trying to say about sex workers because it was really, really trying to say something about sex workers. And what was very interesting to me was that I watched it the day after I rewatched Pretty Woman with a bunch of my friends. One of my favorite movies. One of the greatest movies ever written. And yet one of the most offensive depictions of like sex work like we've ever seen. But like also that thing is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And also, like, you have to think it was the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that um, that movie was made where the main character was a sex worker and, like, gets a mm-hmm. happy ending. Mm-hmm. It, it's just... I think it's a pretty radical movie for its time. And it is one of my favorite movies. And the first time I ever 
did, I mean, you know, quote unquote, drag publicly was on Halloween. I was Julia Roberts and Pretty <gasps> Woman right. um, my fresh my freshman year of college. Did you have the wig? Did you have that bob? Had, that nasty I had the bob. bob. Yep. <laughs> that is I a had that na- nasty bob. They made her wear that bob for so long. Like, way more of the movie than she needed to wear that bob. And, like, you forget, like, the sex scenes in that movie are actually pretty so hot. The hot. scene on the really piano. Well oh, the my God. The scene on the piano is so sexy. So well blocked. So well written. Yeah, it's a great movie. Actually, I truly think this we need to do a Julia Roberts episode. We absolutely do. We'll bring Caleb here and Mac. Specifically Julia Roberts rom-com queen yeah, yeah. era. Like Notting Hill. Never seen. Pretty Woman. My Best Friend's Wedding. Runaway Bride. I've never um, seen Mystic so Pizza. I've never seen Mystic Pizza either. Ooh, so Virgins, if you would like a Julia Roberts episode, let us know um, in the comments. Yeah. And to put a pin on like kind of this the pretty woman of it all it's like it's so funny it's an amazing movie and yet like the conceit of the movie is like a billionaire treats a woman basically like a like a, a rent-a-puppy kind of like you know weekend toy thing pays a week, her th- a week a only week. three grand for a week girl the, the the money and even with inflation it still makes no sense like financial yeah. it makes no financial and you know sense. the movie was originally called three thousand <gasps> That's so fucking stupid. I hate that. Um, anyways, Richard Gere, who is so sexy, and it's the only movie mm. where he's sexy, he, you know, treats her like shit. I don't know says, that that's true. Says really offensive things to her face frequently, like, is honestly a, a scum of a human being, and, like, also has, like, an entire body of work and life that is, like, gouging people and, like, like tricking people, which, like, you know, he gets his little redemption arc at the end yeah but like, he becomes class conscious right he becomes class conscious whatever but i just thought it was so funny that we can have this really kind of like this depiction of a sex worker where the sex worker kind of has a superhuman ability to deal with their clients bullshit because they're just grateful and that that was unfortunately replicated in this emma thompson movie um emma thompson plays a really erratic a dysfunctional woman who is so she is really really bad at boundaries with the with um Daryl McCormick. So I got to give it out to Daryl McCormick who was so amazing this movie. They both were so good. But like Emma Thompson plays plays this woman who just repeatedly treats him like an object and treats him like shit and asks him really offensive questions and says really insulting things to his face and he has to just kind of deal with it throughout the whole movie like he but has does the, but does the fi- like does the lens of the film show that that stuff is bad yes and that's kind of the difference well to some extent the difference is that like in pretty woman they never tell you why any of this is like not how to treat a sex worker right yeah. in um, good luck to you, Leo Grand. The movie is trying to demonstrate what to not do with sex workers, and also um, just a, a, a has. There's a very long PSA in the middle about <laughs> um, just like why sex work is valid and should be like a public service and all this different stuff. Like it has a lot to say about the validity of sex work, which is like fine if that's what you're trying to do with the movie. I don't really enjoy like pedantic moments like that. I think it creates limitations around what can be a really good story, but it still had, I think it checked all the right boxes of what it was trying to say. It's just that, um, I want a story about sex work where we don't have this 
transformative, like, look at this upstanding hooker and how, like, you know, well-behaved they are now and how, like, nice and saint-like they are. It's, like, actually, like, sex workers don't have to be saints. and They don't have to be these, like, like, healing, like, fixers that come in and, like, make you better and they have, like, nothing better to do with their lives. Like, I felt with both movies... They were very disinterested in, like, the inner life of the sex worker, though it's much more explored in the Emma Thompson movie because the acting is so good. But it's just, like, you know, yes, like, sex workers have to do tons of emotional labor. A lot of sex workers have to be therapists for their clients sometimes. But just, like, I want their life, too, you know? Yeah, I I do think that we have almost never had a truly good depiction of sex work in a piece of mainstream media and they're both the thing is they're both great movies like okay here's the thing pretty woman at the end of the day is a male fantasy marketed to women right like it is a it i get to rent a woman for because i'm a billionaire and i take her around on my dates and in my nice car and she's so obsessed with me and i get to buy her all these nice clothes and like whatever and like, at, but at the end of the day, like she chooses me, and because like you know, because yeah. I, I fixed her, like she. It's a it's a Cinderella story, yeah. and like it's not it's a rare rom com where I don't think it's like it's not kind of aspirational in a way because I think the the women who it's being marketed to at the time are not being like, oh, I want to grow up and be a prostitute, and like have this happen to me which is like fucked up because like (laughs) you know like being sex work is not something that you know should have stigma around it yeah yeah i'm not gonna watch that movie (laughs) yeah yeah i don't think i don't think you would like it um it's really slow and it's very just like dialogue the whole time that's it speaking of movies i don't think you would like i finally watched the netflix persuasion adaptation oh which the the girls are mad about this the girls are really mad about it i honestly don't think it's okay here's the thing it maybe if i had finished the book i would feel differently I started the book mm. um, when we were when we were on vacation. I was oh yeah it. on Fire Island, um, and just kind of dropped it. I got a little bored, and maybe if I had read the book and like the story was important to me, um, I would have hated it because even just from what I read, it's very different. Um, but I, you know, like I enjoyed myself. I, I I had it on while I was taking a bath, and it was like very. It's like you know, it's like a cozy romantic period piece, and like yes, it's it's trying to be Fleabag so hard. Oh, it and is. And it's literally like, have you ever bought anything from from Reformation or like gotten their emails? <laughs> you know how their luckily you know how no. their emails. You know how their emails are like your ex-boyfriend called or like um i've seen enough i've seen enough hunter harris tweets to know that i i i cannot let myself be ensnared by a reformation yeah, reformation that, that email. like it's like if the person who wrote the copy for those reformation emails wrote an adaptation of persuasion <laughs> that's that's this movie <laughs> that's so funny oh my um, god so I, it's it's stupid and bad and I still enjoyed myself. Because and Dakota, Dakota Johnson, Johnson, Dakota Johnson, like, shouldn't have been in it, but, like, was great because she's Dakota Johnson. She has zero chemistry with the with the lead, even though he's super sexy. Um, there's no kind of, like, outstanding side characters, which is 
what you want in a Jane Austen adaptation. And it's it's not good, but I don't think it's quite as evil and like, you know, like uh, bad for the culture as everyone is making it out to be. Uh, I've heard that the fandom is very pissed about this adaptation. Why why are why are Jane Austen stands mad? Because of the sort of like fleabagification of persuasion, like it like, has contemporary dialogue, right? It has it has contemporary dialogue and sensibility. There's, a, but I I think that's honestly the the part that everyone's getting caught up on and is not the real problem. Like, hmm. so persuasion is the story of a woman who was supposed to marry a. Um, a, a naval officer when she was young, but her family persuaded her not to because he had no money. Right. And so she has regretted it ever since. And eight years later, he comes back into her life and he it has like risen in the ranks and has money now. Ooh. And she's still a spinster. And it's the last book Jane Austen completed before her death. And it's very sort of like melancholic and it's about a much different kind of love than you see in her earlier works. It's about a mature love. It's like a, a, a bit sadder. And and Elliot, in what I read of the book, is like a very, you know, like introspective character. She's very quiet. And Dakota Johnson in the movie is like, is like speaks directly to the camera and says things like, we, we're worse than friends. We're exes. And like there's little jokes <sighs> like... She she's like opening a box of letters from Wentworth and she's like, he made me a playlist and it's like literally like a bunch of sheet music tied together. So it's stuff like that that people are like making a big deal out of when actually the real problem is that the Anne Elliot of the film is just not the same character as in the book and like does a lot of things that the Anne Elliot in the book would never do. The reason mm-hmm. that they're brought together back in the book is like the the like mishaps and like conventions of the genre that put them back together that Jane Austen was so good at and not that like, you know, Anna Elliot was this like manic pixie dream girl, um, you know, and also it's like the movie's not pretty. The costumes are not. Oh no. The costumes are not lush. It's not that it's giving budget. It's giving like, they tried to make it look contemporary. Like, Dakota oh. wears a lot of like button down shirts over a long what? dress, and it's like, no, give me sense and sensibility, oh. like give me glamour. That's they, also just oh, not what people go to say things for. Their family, their family has to move from the country to Bath because they're poor, <laughs> and someone says like, I've heard that if you're a ten in London, you're a five in Bath, and like things like that are like stupid, but. They're just they're distracting from the problem with it, which is that I think this movie just fundamentally doesn't understand what is beloved about its source material and like the kind of love it's trying to portray. Yeah. But that being said, I am always looking for that sort of comforting period piece, like cozy day movie. And it still is that despite not being perfect Mm. so you know watch it for yourself like make up your own mind it's not the evil evil thing that people are making it out to be okay great happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride in the queer community all year queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women 
Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Even though you didn't finish Persuasion, were there any other good books you, you got into this weekend? Yeah, um, I'm reading two books right now. Um, one I started earlier in the summer and just got back into yesterday when I was at the beach. It's called Book Lovers by Emily Henry, who's like a huge romance author. Um, it's her latest book. It's a it's a book about a, a literary agent and a literary editor who find themselves in the same small town and I suppose are going to have a romance. And it's really good um, mm. so far. It just it just took me a while to get into it because I wasn't really that interested. The, <laughs> but the other book that I'm reading that I'm very excited about and I'm trying to pace myself on because I don't want to get through too quickly is Husband Material by Alexis Hall, who is like kind of one of my instant by authors like anything oh. they I, I've talked about a couple of their books this year already um they this is a sequel to their book boyfriend material which is boyfriend material was very much like a gay send up of like Bridget Jones's diary okay I'm googling right um, now oh you absolutely need to read it it's super funny um I also I listened to the audiobook of it the second time 
the cover is immediately promising. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you yeah, see a cover about, like this, it's it's a buy, huh? It's, it's it's about it's about this guy who's like sort of like um he's uh he's the child of some celebrities and like is kind of always winding up in the tabloids and he has to have a fake boyfriend to like rehabilitate his image, but obviously him and the and the boyfriend like actually fall in love and wind up together. And so in the sequel Everyone around them is getting married, and so I think they might get. I would assume that since it's called husband material, they they get married. It looks um, it looks very British, very it, British. It, it is very British, and like the Britishisms are a big part of the humor and what I like about it. That's fun. and yeah, it's really good. And Alexis Hall, the books of theirs that I've talked about this year were um, a Lady for a Duke, yeah, which mm, was yeah. Um, which is a historical romance with a trans lead and you liked um it. i did really like it yeah i didn't think it was perfect um but i liked it and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with um with they slash them mm. which is that even though alexis hall has said that they wanted to write a book about a trans character where like their transness was not the main thing with the plot i don't think it that's true of, of the work that they actually wrote and mm. i but but to its like, and I mean that in a positive way because I want to see more stories where people's queerness and, like, more specifically their transness are the plot couldn't happen without them because mm. those are the interesting stories that we haven't seen yet. The new stories that we should be telling, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's the thing is, like, this this tension between, like, do I tell people how I really feel about a certain issue or do I just tell a good story or like, do I have to pick and like, when do I, how do, how do I do both? It's like, it's a it's really It's almost not even about balance. the issue. I think like, I think identity and, and like there's so mm-hmm. much inherent in transness that can create a really interesting narrative. Like in, in A Lady for a Duke, the, the whole plot of the story is that this trans woman has this best friend. They mm. went to war together. She was injured in action and presumed dead. And she used that as right. as her chance to transition and, like, go away for a couple years. I remember this very back. Alexis Mead a la Ugly yeah. Betty. And come back as a woman. And, like, that's what I mean when I say it's a plot point that could not happen without transness. Mm. And it's what creates the whole narrative. And that is really interesting. The, that story wouldn't exist if it wasn't for her identity. And so mm. that is, I'm interested in seeing more queer stories like that and, and creating them, but mm. you know, <laughs> more stay tuned, stay um, tuned, but a uh, boyfriend material definitely recommend book lovers is good. I mean, I'm sure like everyone's reading it. Cause like everyone reads Emily Henry's books anyway. So I'm not telling anyone anything they don't know. And I, I, I do now that I've watched the movie, I do want to finish persuasion i'll get around to it eventually honestly something that's kind of um giving a little like kind of persuasion made well um it girl aesthetic is the new maggie rogers album which for some reason dropped the same day as beyonce's i don't know know, that was poor planning (laughs) well here's the thing i know that they have as music artists they have nothing to do with each other their music has no overlap i get it i just like that can't be it. Like, why would you? I would never in a million years 
drop something that weekend, especially if one of your songs is called Honey. Ah! Well, what did you... Did you listen to the can album, I, right? Yeah. Can I admit something to you? Yes. I don't love it. Okay. I'm kind I, of having I'm kind of having a hard time with it. And at first I thought it was just that every time I put it on, I found myself thinking I could just be listening to Beyonce right now. And that was the initial yeah. problem with it. And the few times that I did listen to it, it was always background music while I was writing or background music while I was reading or whatever. And then I said, no, 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 no. I need to sit down mm-hmm. and actually listen to it with headphones on and really give this album its chance. And it made me realize that I wasn't reaching for it because I don't love it. I don't, it's very hard to, you know, I think with a sophomore album, when your first album was received, um, you know, so well, like, um, so universally positive. um, That's really hard to follow up. I just, um, I I don't I like some of it. I like a lot of the singles that she released I think are good, but it's just like not a lot of the songs are really kind of grating and I know that that's a big part of what she does. I was I I was listening to something. Oh, I uh an a, a recent episode of of Lost Culturistas, they were talking about her and how, you know, she originally started off as a folk artist and then like once she moved to New York for school, like that's when she started like hearing a lot of club music and like got really into production and that's why her music kind of is the way that it is now. Mm. And I liked a lot of what she did with that on her last album. But on this album, I think it's just too much it's overproduced and it's mm. really it's I never would have of- thought about that. Yeah, it's a lot of like pots and pans happening mm. and it's just um it's challenging to listen to but not in a way that makes me want to kind of rise to the occasion. It's challenging to listen to in a way where I find myself just like I can only make it through like half a song and then I skip to the next one. I just don't really I'm not enjoying it. And that's her- sad because I love her and her last album I was obsessed with and still am. I listen to it all the time. I have a slightly different relationship to Maggie Rogers, but a lot of similar experiences of this new album because I, so I did not, you know, I was, I'm, I love Maggie. I love her art. I'm not like a Maggie stan per se. I did not listen to her first album over and over again the way I know a lot of Maggie Rogers heads do. Like, you know, Joel Kambooster is listening right now, like screaming at us, being so mad that we're, um, you know, making critique of his queen. But like, but like she, I, I think that the thing about, you know, Heard It In A Past Life, her last album is that it did have a lot more pop orientation and Mm -hmm. these songs have really amazing hooks. And because Surrender doesn't have, it's much more introspective and much more thoughtful. It doesn't have the hooks that her last album had. And therefore for me was background music. And I think really great background music, like music still has that function. And like, that sounds like, an insult, but like I, th- I think it's really gorgeous. But it and doesn't thoughtful. even work from it doesn't even work for me as background music because it becomes distracting, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to s- skip. 
I don't well, want to listen to the song. For me, the song that goes hardest, Shatter, is the best song. I love Shatter. I love how Maggie screams on it. I think it's so cathartic and beautiful and one of my favorite songs she's ever written or done. Um, but I just, like, I thought it was, you know, I've consumed the kind of... The, the media, uh, uh, you know, stuff around her enrollment in the Harvard Divinity School and how her Coachella performance was a project for her Harvard Divinity School, <laughs> her Harvard Divinity School, like, thesis or whatever. And I was like, like, she says in this interview that Coachella, like, her Coachella performance fulfilled a requirement on public presentation. She literally filed this performance as a part of her, the completion that's of her cool. schooling. That's really, that's really cool. That's I badass. don't, see, I, I, I mean, okay, cool, yes, but also just, like, I just feel like school is, like, for you. Like, it's for your education, not for, like, entertainment value. Like, when I'm in school, I'm, uh, actually, maybe I'm being a little too hard on her. I just feel like I, to be that experimental and to be, so, I don't know. I just, like, don't want... I just don't want to read your thesis. That's the thing. That's what... I'm, I'm being, like, kind of an asshole about it because, like, I, at the end of the day, don't want to read all everything behind it. I just want to know if it's a good album or not. And if every... And honestly, maybe I'm projecting because this is something I'm extremely guilty of. I will do tons of research, tons of background work, have huge, like, stories and rationale behind projects that I put out or things that I do and like all of that is worth nothing at the end of the day if people don't get it you know what I mean yeah and it doesn't matter how many degrees you have or how much um intellect or pedagogy you've put into the thing if it's at the end of the day not something that's good for consumption even something that's experimental and fun to consume like I don't know it's then to me just a project and Surrender feels like a project, not an album. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Like, I, I want to see Maggie explore. And so I'm excited sure. to, to see what else she does. You and know? she does not need to be the artist she was on Harden Past Life Forever. True. true, true, true. But that is the art that I would like from her. And I hope maybe with her next project, she finds her way a little a little further back in that territory. <laughs> yeah. Because for the moment, I'm just, I'm still only listening to Renaissance. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Rose. Other things that we listened to this weekend, <laughs> the Queen's remix of Break My Soul. Girl, I was gagged. I, when what did, when what did you I think? was sent that link before, like, before it came out on Spotify and then sent it to you, I was like, is this a joke? It felt not real. And then I listened to it. I think it's so good. I think it's great. I, I think it's so good. I like that it's, you know... The, the cultural context of Madonna's Vogue is that, like, as much as we love it and as much as it, you know, brought Vogue to the forefront of mainstream culture, mm-hmm. it is also extremely appropriative, as, you know, Madonna has been throughout her career. And I do like that in reworking and sampling the song and, you know, on a project where... She's doing so much sampling and, you know, reinterpolating of Vogue and House. I like that Beyonce places ballroom culture back in its original context. Exactly. While using the very thing that was, I don't want to say weaponized against it, but like the very thing that kind of helped break it from that in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way she does that is through like, I think most specifically at the end when she's doing what Madonna did in the original song and like naming all these legends like and when Madonna did it she was like naming all these white women who are on the cover of Vogue when Beyonce does it she's naming all these black female artists and literal Vogue houses like and some of them are deep cuts too like when she mentioned House of Ladoja, I was screaming I was gagged I I was gagged for people that don't know House of Ladoja is they're they're like an iconic underground New York house very much a part of the West gay scene the early years of Bushwig it's Juliana Um, Huxtable it's an Juliana Huxtable it's an art collective um, predominantly so it's like very it's just different it's so it's such a Juliana Huxtable Michael Magnin Dosha Bailey Styles Neon Christina like mm. true underground New York legends, very much involved in like 
spectrum. They used to throw a lot of really cool parties. And so to hear them placed in that context with other legendary houses like House of Extravaganza, House of Aviance. Also, my like my girl Nita Aviance, who's one half of the Carrie Nation, mm-hmm. did one of the Break My Soul remixes that Beyonce mm-hmm. put out. It's just it's like the best remix. It's next so inc- it's it's so incredible to see ballroom culture at large be celebrated in this way by the biggest artists in the world in a way that is actually like honoring the reality of what it is rather than, you know, like appropriating its its style or sound um, and doing something entirely different with it. It's, it's as we said in our, our Beyonce episode last week, like she's citing her sources. Mm-hmm. And, and even more than that, she is like, she's trying as in any way she can to give the girls their flowers. You said it all. Like I... I and I honestly didn't even think about it in that way in the in thinking about it as a full circle moment to kind of rectify the ways that Madonna's Vogue was extremely exploitative, right? Like Madonna did a lot for ballroom culture. Um our friend of the pod like Michael Street has like a lot of work and reporting on this if you ever want to check out his stuff, but like he um, I, there's nuance in all of it, right? Like, Madonna was appropriative and exploitative and, like, stole culture from the most marginalized in the New York scene. But at the same time, she brought the House of Ninja and other dancers with her on tour, right? She put them in the music video, right? She got an entire, you know, group of people listening to Vogue to say, what's Vogue? What's voguing? What's ballroom? And that is, you know, big. That's huge, right? Um, but for Beyonce to put it explicitly in context, I think you said it perfectly. Like, that's so amazing. And also, in addition to La Doja, um, a Kiki house like House of Telvar, a very new house, a house that's, like, fresh on the scene, like, again, another really deep cut. And the list of names where it's just, like, a list of powerful black women, and she says Grace Jones twice, like, And the so way she says Grace Jones, Grace, Grace Jones. Grace Jones. Grace Jones. Um, she should have said, I mean, maybe this is, like, totally, totally fan service wishful thinking, but, like, I feel like Khalees should have been in the list of names. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. But if she removed, I mean, it's just me being a fan fan, but, like, come on, that would have been so iconic, because Khalees is in that list, you know what she, I mean? She is. She is. You know, I've, She's been, in listening the list. To, I've been listening to so much Khalees Me too. all this Beyonce stuff has been happening. Acapella. And it just made me, re- acapella is it's all banger acapella. of the millennium. Oh. Um, um, and uh, that's one good thing to come of all this is that it reminded me how much I love Khalees and I hope that my streams are making her money. Similarly, I've been revisiting Khalees, but I also have been revisiting Donna Summer's Bad Girls, which I don't think I've given a thorough listen through since like college. And like the transitions, I mean, Beyonce, I think that's like one of the strongest influences for Renaissance is like the transitions on Bad Girls are sublime like they are so next level and um i i honestly it gave me a whole new appreciation for the album as a whole as one of the greatest dance albums to have ever been released and i um i honestly it just made me crave like real disco music right like you know in 2020 you and i saw tons of like disco-inspired music, right? Dua released the album. Chromatica was supposed to be dis- disco-influenced. I thought it was just a Kylie. Kylie. Um, Jesse Ware, which is, like, an amazing album, but, like, honey, 
Uh, Again, it's more it's house just, than disco. Yeah, and it's like, it's for me, it's like, no, I want, like, if you're going to do a disco album, and this is part of why I love a lot of the songs of Renaissance, it's like, if you're going to do a disco album, I want a farty-ass bass, I want a gospel choir, I want some clapping sounds like i want like the things that make disco disco like i want a full wind and trumpet ensemble right okay like and i feel like you know when we get uh, yeah the, i want native new yorker yes i want native new yorker and when i As get performed by wendy williams and like when i get the dua lipa stuff which is like fine it's just like that's fine it's just not it's disco just, it's not it's disco house. it's not disco I think, it's not even really house i think if anyone like kylie is maybe the girl who really was giving us has always given us true disco but like the disco inspired shit it's like i think renaissance is what i was waiting for you know and the diana but i don't Ross think album, renaissance like, is even know. disco like renaissance uh, renaissance is house yeah I, yeah, I think that there are three songs that are pretty, pre- like, pretty disco, funk disco. Um, but I agree. It's like I wanted the full fantasy, the bad girls fantasy. So, um, wait, so we got a DM uh, oh. at, like, a virgin for 2069 that said one of our theories from last week. And this <gasps> person didn't, does not want us to blow up their spot, so okay. we will keep them anonymous. But they said that one of our theories is true. Which one? And that the next two projects are a country album and an R&B album. Oh, I'm so excited for that country album. And do you think they're going to, do you think she's going to tap the chicks again? But the other rumor is that it's going to be maybe not an R&B album, but a rock album. And that the whole thread of these three albums is that Beyonce is taking back music that was traditionally kind of stolen from from Black people. So she did it with House. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll do it with Country and then with Rock and Roll. And like a Beyonce rock album would be I... major. Like, And I'm thinking like rock, like, you know, give me like a Little Richard sample. Tina like, Turner. It's all you know, about Tina. Like, um, I yeah, mean, like, like I'm talking. We're talking like classic rock and blues. Like, you know, the kind of rock that Elvis appropriated. Yeah. Ex- oh, gag. Well, we'll get into that maybe in our Vaz episode. But like, I, girl, I really like. I, I I saw. I think I saw that theory on Twitter, and I had goosebumps. Like the idea of giving it back to like what like you know something that was stolen like but i totally agree i'm much more compelled by a beyonce rock album than another r&b album which would also be amazing obviously because it's beyonce but like damn the tina turner samples would be off the chain and when we think about you know beyonce is a frequent collaborator with like jack white with like kind of Coldplay, ed sheeran like pop rock types that she takes a lot of influence from like i mean i think beyonce once said that Coldplay is like her favorite band or something like that oh, like that's so depressing i mean i know but again it kind of flexes on the the the, the quote-unquote basicness of beyonce that i alluded to last week yeah. which is not an insult it's it's just makes her a really clean canvas <laughs> um uh but i i feel like just looping back to the madonna of it all appropriation at large like cultural exploitation at large is like a massive sin of this country that like to this day is still something that we just never reckon with like we are constantly stealing from black and brown culture without even realizing it and i don't even have to say that it's like so you know rudimentary and obvious to say but like uh, i'm just so grateful for 
what Renaissance is and whatever she does next. Because, you know, last week when we were saying, like, Beyonce watched Pose and then made this album, like, you know, we were joking, but, like, but Beyonce literally does love Pose. Like, she's on the record saying that she loves that show. And um, for me... When we're sorting it, because the, the, you know, since in the week that this album has released, there have been a lot of conversations around Renaissance talking about, like, what is the role of appropriation? Is Beyonce appropriating, quote unquote, queer culture, trans culture, ballroom, you know, like, is this her, her um, territory to trot on? And for me, and this is just my personal belief, so if people don't believe, if people disagree with me, that's totally cute, but like... When it comes down to the question of telling a story that isn't yours is the basic way of putting it. If you're going to tell a story that isn't yours, for me, it's about, one, clocking the hours on the story you want to tell, right? What are the researches? What's the research you've done? Who are the sources you're citing? And as we've already laid out in our album review, like, Beyonce has done all of that. The second question is, like, reckoning with your conviction, right? Do you want to make this because you care about this community and you have an investment in it? Or do you want to make this because you want to collect the clout of highlighting a marginalized community, right? And I think that Beyonce was very smart to release all this Uncle Johnny stuff to show that she has a personal stake in this, that this is her life, that, you know, she grew up with house music and with queer culture by way of her uncle, right? And then the last thing is, do you stick the landing? Like, is it just good? Is it good art? And it's good art. And it is good art. Yeah. It's good fucking art. And, like, for me, it's, like, that triad of things is, like, a really great rubric for to figure out whether or not your art is, you know, go- gonna exploit some people. And I think that for her to say all these iconic houses, all these iconic women's names, to give credit where credit is due, it's just, like, exactly how you do it. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. Wow. We really have... Um consumed a lot that was a lot of over the past week a lot of is there anything is there anything that you're really looking forward to that's coming out or happening in the next couple weeks that like the the listeners the virgins can um consume as well so that they like are on the same track as us wait there literally is something but i can't think of what it is right now do you have an answer to that question um okay a couple things that i'm like uh, you know, I, I named the the books that I'm reading at the moment. I still think I want to figure out a, this book club scenario. Like, all of our DMs are about people saying they want to do the book club. Right. We've had, like, multiple people right. say they want to be our intern. So we will be making it happen. Oh, The Sandman. That's oh, something yeah. I forgot to talk about. Okay, okay. So we'll... I, I started I'll, watching... I need to watch it. I'll watch it and I, we can discuss. Okay. I started watching the new Netflix series, The Sandman, which is an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's comic book series, um, which was turned into a series of graphic novels. Um, I'm really trying to take my time on it because I don't want to go through it too quickly. Um, Fran, if you watch it, if you'll watch it, like I'll save my thoughts about it. And I actually think Fran and I did talk about this, but maybe we should do a Neil Gaiman episode because Mm. Neil Gaiman is really important to me. I've, like, read everything he's ever written, and uh, Fran is, like, a true virgin, and so I Mm -hmm. think it would be fun to have them, like, try out a couple things and have a conversation about it. Um, But, yeah, we can definitely do, maybe for our next news segment, um, once Fran has watched a little bit of The Sandman, I've watched a little bit more, we can talk about it, but 
it's really good. Um, if anyone out there wants to start watching it, definitely do that. I'm going to see Bullet Train this That's week. That's it. So excited. Okay. I'm going to see Bullet Train. I actually might maybe see it later today or like maybe it's going to be really hot in LA this week. So maybe one day when it's really hot, I'll go mm. to the movies. Mm. Maybe I'll um, So we'll probably talk about that next week. I'm definitely excited for Bad Bunny in Bullet Train. Like I'm going to be like wet in that like fucking theater seat. It's going to be gross. <laughs> hot. Yeah. We'll be back next week um, and back to our usual format with a discussion on all things Baz Luhrmann. Mm-hmm. But for real this time, because I know we said that last week. But it's <laughs> just, you know, sometimes take a little turn. So now you have an extra week to catch up on, you know, Baz Luhrmann's oeuvre. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It actually helps us a lot. It cannot be overstated that if you leave us a review, it is the number one thing or maybe the number two thing aside from sharing it with your friends. Um, to help our podcast become so famous. You can find me on social media at FriendSquishCo, anywhere you want. And you can find me at RoseDamu. You can subscribe to Like a Virgin anywhere you listen. This is an iHeart production. Our producer is the Phoebe Unter with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Krainchich, and Mickey Etor. Until next week, see you later, virgins. Ciao. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit tomboyx.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.